The views and opinions expressed in this podcast may be triggering and don't necessarily reflect the views of myself or Blue Matter Project. Please note that I'm not a licensed therapist or a doctor, and all opinions of our guests are for informational purposes and should not be considered medical advice. For any questions about your own health, please consult a medical professional. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Mindful Matters podcast. I'm Elaine Clark, and today I'm speaking with someone who's not only a part of the Blue Matter community, but she's also the facilitator of our upcoming training program called the Trauma Center, Trauma Sensitive Yoga Foundations for Facilitators. I'm speaking today with Nicola Mosley, who's a registered social worker and employs an anti-oppressive and trauma-informed lens. She's also a therapeutic wilderness facilitator and movement practitioner, and she blends all of these skill sets in her classes, trainings, and retreats, and integrates the evidence-based modality of trauma-centered, trauma-sensitive yoga, somatic experiencing, and land-based experiences. She specializes in a collaborative approach to healing from social, systemic, and ecological trauma. I wanted to bring her on the show today to talk to us about the Trauma Center, Trauma Sensitive Yoga approach and her upcoming training program, which is a 20-hour foundational training for any facilitator interested in integrating movement practices from a trauma-sensitive lens into their offerings. And this can include mental health professionals, medical practitioners, yoga and movement instructors, classroom teachers, coaches, and body workers with previous mental health certifications. I'm so thrilled to share with you her insights in today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Let's welcome her on the show. Nicola Mosley, thank you so much for making the time to be here. It's wonderful to be with you, Elaine. Thank you. So I've been really looking forward to this opportunity to chat with you today. I thought we could just start by talking a bit about you. I'd love to hear your personal story and how that's brought you to the cornerstone of the work that you do in the trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga approach or the TCTSY for short. How did you become interested in the topic of trauma and somatic forms of healing? Mm. Well, thanks for that curiosity. Um, you know, I'd say it begins in my early days. I um, I was born and grew up in South Africa, my formative years in South Africa during apartheid. Um, so a system of separation, a system grounded in causing harm to others um, based on their identities, um, system grounded in racism. And I would say it was like a, a fish swimming in water that I didn't know I didn't know I was in the water until we left South Africa and came to Canada and I started to learn of the water that I was swimming in. And I think that really has informed my journey and always being curious about what waters are we swimming in. Mm. What systems are um, informing our behaviors or informing our ways of being in the world. So I'd say that's a bit of a macro orientation to what's informed my journey. My teen years, a lot of the time was spent um, learning about apartheid and those systems, um, and navigating my own um, privilege and guilt, uh, being from a country that I loved immensely as well. I, I have to jump in because uh, as soon as you said South Africa, I thought, oh my goodness, I, I was also born in South Africa. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Yeah, I was born in Pretoria. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm so surprised. I mean, I'm curious, how long did you live there? Yeah, well, I was born in Cape Town, so lived in a little village outside of Cape Town and lived there till I was nine. So not super long in the grand scheme of things, but incredibly formative years. And yourself? So just two years, but I was born in 88, right at the, you know, the pivotal point of the apartheid. So that's really interesting to me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious. I mean, without steering too off topic here, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your experiences there. Mm. Well, I mean, like I said, I just, you know, I grew up there until I was nine. So, I mean, I had a pretty beautiful childhood, but I remember the separation and the segregation. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember the spells uh, my parents were under, the spells that many were under um, during that time. Although there was a lot of mobilization going on to shift things as well. We left in 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a really, really hard experience to leave that place. Um, I'd say I was really connected to the land and um that country and uh, coming to Canada was a really challenging experience for a young person. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I really <clears throat> also have great empathy for those who transition from from a place they call home to another land or to another culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can definitely relate to you, especially my parents. Whenever they speak about that, it's. Uh, it's very challenging because it was a very, it, you know, it is a very beautiful place and it was very hard for them to transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, I, you know, I'd love to know. So how did you navigate towards this topic of trauma and, and uh, you know, somatic healing? Yeah, it certainly wasn't necessarily an intentional direction. It's kind of, I've, I've followed the, the signs, I guess. You know, I've had my own experiences of, um reaching in my in my body and my own personal history as well and uh, I'd say myself going to the land has been a big part of my healing journey and when I was on the land I took people out on the land on expeditions and I started to get curious about well what's happening here we're together like so there's a collective of people out on the land together Um, we're moving towards a common goal together, removing our bodies and certain rhythms and patterns out on the land as well. And um, that led me to get more curious about yoga and movement. And um, I did some studying with Michael, late Michael Stone as well, mm-hmm. who wrote the book, um, gosh, Teaching for, oh, I can't remember, the, the name is, Oh, here it is. Um, Yoga for a World Out of Balance. Beautiful book that really um, informed my journey. And I ended up doing um, a master's in social work, which I brought the question of how might yoga be a tool for social change? Because I recognized that no matter why folks were coming to a movement experience, whether their friends are dragging them along or they're coming for fitness or for a spiritual experience or to stretch, there was something that happened that was a common thread. And I started to get curious about that. And um, and then I did my master's in social work with that, kind of holding that as a deeper inquiry. And I read David Emerson's book, 
on overcoming trauma through yoga and reached out to him and said, hey, I need to do a practicum experience or an internship for my master's. Would you be willing to, to have me? And so I went and spent four months in Boston studying with him and um, really diving into TCTSY. And um, that, from there on, I did the certification and, and became the one of the first teachers in the world after David Emerson. So I've been kind of offering this practice since 2014, but it's totally evolved in my own experience and own journey as well. I think as I've come into deeper embodiment, um, there's been other experiences of uh, coming into relationship with the land and coming into relationship with what's happening in the waters that we're swimming in these days and the larger systems and impacts that has on one's body. Um, and then the when I think about trauma, um, I think there's sometimes in the Western medical model, trauma has quite a narrow definition. And um, coming from South Africa and then um, also, I think, orienting to the land and the impacts on the land as well. Um, my orientation to what is trauma or how trauma impacts us has shift, shape-shifted over time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I uh, I love that you mentioned Michael Stone. I, I had a chance to see him actually in Ottawa in 2012. It was uh, amazing. I'm really incredible experience to uh, to see him you know, to see him talk and, and also lead a session. Um, and in terms of, you know, what you're saying here about trauma, I think uh, I'd love to kind of dig into this topic a little bit because I think so often there is a misunderstanding about trauma, which I feel we are collectively starting to shift. Uh, trauma, I think, is so often associated as a veterans-only condition or, you know, physical trauma to the body. So just to give some context for the listener, what is complex trauma or developmental trauma? And how does movement and connecting to our bodies bring us out of trauma? Mm -hmm. um, so complex trauma, the way I would define it is um, it's hard things that happen over and over again. Um, or some experiences of hard things that happen over and over again over a long period of time to the degree that it, it might change one's physiology or impact one's neurodevelopment, not because they're choosing that, but because there's an intelligence in one's body um, to survive. Ultimately, it wants to survive. And so it adapts and responds to the circumstances that it's in, the context it's in, in order to survive, which become can become patterns and behaviors that support um, us to make it through different threat responses. And that can happen as adults, that can happen as children. And then when I come to thinking about developmental trauma, that's kind of shifting to um, adversity or hard things that happen at a, at a young age. So when our brain is still developing, um, hence developmental trauma. And so developmental trauma, I would say, um, can happen from the age of zero up until um, adolescence 
and it's often trauma that's stored in one's body. So if I think of the memory, it's implicit memory. It's memory stored in one's nervous system. It's memory stored in um, one's neuro, in, it impacts neurodevelopment as well. And so that memory can then inform patterns, relational patterns, or ways of being in the world that support us to feel safe or um, respond to any threats that might be around, um, because that's what's familiar potentially as a young person exposed to adversity. Yeah, that's kind of, and so developmental trauma can, outcomes of that can be in terms of how it might impact one's body or outcomes of complex trauma and how that might impact people. Um, it can impact people's capacity and ability to be in relationship with others, let alone relationship with oneself. It can impact um, one's perception of their own body or um, ways of being with other bodies. Um, it can impact um, one's health and well-being in the world in the world like so medical conditions or health conditions can emerge um, it can impact um, brain development as well one's capacity for learning and there's a whole spectrum mm -hmm. of, of impacts as well that i would say come down to um, the body come, really connects to how our body is in the world or how we are in our body how we're able to inhabit our bodies yeah and i i want to spend some time talking about triggers because it's really interesting to me that when we're triggered it's based in body sensations and not based in thought i'm wondering if you can elaborate on this like what does it mean to be triggered mm. it's actually such a complex question i find um, Yes, when I think about being triggered, I think about, yeah, like you said, there's there's a sensation or there's experience that someone might have in their body. So I, I worked for a while with young men um, recovering from substance addiction. And we'd often talk about triggers and how it can start in the senses, right? So it can start in a... Um, a smell or it can start with a sound or start with something that someone sees and that can be a felt sense in one's body so it might feel like a contraction it might feel like an increase in one's heart rate um it might be labeled as anxiety and so that's in our senses and that then gets interpreted by the brain um and then a behavior might emerge from that trigger so when I think about, for example, neuroception, the concept of neuroception, it's something that our brains are always doing. So our brains are always scanning outside of us, so scanning externally for threats and for safety. And our brain is always scanning internally as well. What's, what's the information coming from our body? And 85%, 80, sorry, 80 of information travels from our body to our brain. That's an incredible amount of information being interpreted by our brain and then being transformed into emotions, interpreted into certain emotions, inter interpreted into certain behaviors. 
And so if our brain's always scanning for threats and scanning for safety, like think about a trigger, um, it can be something that happens in our external environment. It can also be something that our body feels. And then it might be a reminder of that hard thing that happened, that trauma response that happened in the past. And a person might not know what the trigger is. Right? Triggers can be subconscious. But it, what it can do is then take, it's like a lived experience of what happened in the past. It's a feeling someone has that hard thing that happened in the past. And so it's really hard to be in the present moment with that because the body is reliving that hard thing that happened in the past. And so if we ask that question of what might it be like to live in a body that is living in the past or is consistently reminded of those hard things that happened in the past, that can contribute to so, I mean, how does that impact one being able to show up in a workplace? How does that impact one showing up in intimate relationships? How does that impact one going to the grocery store? Um, so it can kind of scaffold. I see, I see triggers as potentially scaffolding um, the hard things that happened in the past and making it potentially harder and harder to be in the present moment if not supported to navigate those triggers and come back into the present moment. Yeah. I love that, uh, that acronym HALT, you know, whenever we're hungry, mm -hmm. angry, lonely, or tired, uh, we can become more susceptible to kind of collapse into our triggers uh, and then collapse into uh, on our self-discipline. And I think this especially becomes important in the topic of addiction and managing addictions, as you were saying, you know, with the, the group that you were working with. Um, I'm wondering if you can speak into the parts of the brain that are involved in in a trigger, let's say, and, you know, what really happens and then how does our, our body and, and brain respond? Um, I love that you brought in HALT because we use it a lot with the, the young men because it was wilderness-based. Um, mm -hmm. So lots of uh, triggers can happen out there. Hungry, alone. Um, yeah, remind me, hungry, alone, tired. And yeah, hungry, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Lonely. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it can happen in the land kind of amplified so um in terms of the the specific parts of the brain i i haven't spent a lot of time studying that to be honest but i do know that there's a neuro there's a there's a pathway called our interceptive pathway mm -hmm. so that pathway travels between our body and our brain so it's part of the vagus nerve um, mm -hmm. that nerve that gathers information from our organs, from our heart, from our lungs, from our periphery, and brings it up to the brain. So that, that pathway that where 80% of information travels up to the brain. And the centers that that pathway connects with is the insula. That's the main center that it connects with. And the insula is a center that kind of gives one a sense of self, the material me, the like, I am here in this moment. Um, it's located in the midbrain, in the limbic brain. And so um, it, what can happen is when the interceptive pathway has been diminished due to hard 
things that have happened over a long period of time. The insula um, can, the development of the insula can be impacted. So that sense of um, self or the sense of somatic experience of someone's body, the felt sense of someone's body um, can be impacted. When I think of a trigger potentially coming up, um, and if someone has experienced complex trauma or developmental trauma, um, it can potentially, I'm imagining, take that sense of self, um, make it really hard to be with oneself because that trigger can be a reminder of the terror that happened in the past, um, those hard things that happened in the past. And making choices can be really hard to do when triggered as well. So um, when the amygdala is fired, that smoke detector in our brain, that um, part in our brain that responds to threat, and then um, our body feels like it's under threat, our prefrontal cortex disengages to a degree. So sometimes call it flipping, flipping the lid, depending on how triggered someone is. And so when one's body is reliving both experience of hard things that happened in the past, choice becomes really hard to access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the TCTSY modality, what we're doing is we're supporting someone to come back into contact with their body, which might be a really triggering place to be while making choices. Because when triggered, um, yeah, I'm now catching a sense of your of your question. It took me a while to get there. So thank yeah, you. No, that's, this is where I was going to go <laughs> next. <laughs> but uh, I'm finding my way. So like when triggered, um, the we're we're in that fight flight, um, that survival center, right? It's going to the brainstem and the limbic brain, and that prefrontal cortex can can be deactivated to a degree, and. Um, and the access to knowing what choices are available, or even access to choice, can be really challenging. So yes, let's say this modality can really contribute to that pause, that moment, contribute to someone actually being able to pause and be like, "Okay, is halt happening?" Um, what? And this is a lot of what we would do with the young men: is where's that place of pause? potentially begin to activate act, access choice when triggered and this modality I would offer to these young men on a weekly basis and have some incredible outcomes and impacts for the young men as well yeah I, I love that you know that pause that you're talking about there being able to regulate our emotions and know how to self-soothe when triggered, I think is a really important skill and something I feel that we don't learn enough about. I remember, you know, when I was taking the TCTSY training with David Emerson, so many times I was thinking to myself, you know, why am I just learning this now? Why wasn't I taught to develop these tools and this understanding at an early age, you know, to be able to recognize when we're dysregulated and to know how to make different choices based on what we're feeling? I think it's so valuable, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think we live in a culture that's um, doesn't, it's shifting, but I think it historically hasn't um, supported or um, placed 
embodiment as a priority. So if that hasn't been centered, how do we how do we have that knowledge or that information? And I think it's slowly changing and shifting, but it's so key to being in the present moment to have that access to our bodies and access to pausing and then making a choice. That's a present moment experience. And it's vital to greater life. So Nicolette, like you now teach and train people in the TC TSY approach. I'd love it if you could tell us more about the specific technique and how it's proven to be one way of exploring trauma healing. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an interesting technique because it's actually not um, designed for regulation. So we're kind of, we've been having this conversation in this, you know, where our conversation's coming from is talking about pausing so we can regulate. And I would say this modality is modality that happens before it's like some, a tool or a modality that can contribute to what happens before we choose regulation or, or access tools for regulation. Um, because what it's what it's doing is not aiming to support one of the outcomes is regulation, but ultimately what it's doing is supporting to rebuild that interceptive pathway. It's quite refined as a, as a modality. So there's a lot of uh, different trauma-informed yoga trainings, trauma-sensitive yoga trainings, and what this modality, what TCTSY is doing, is quite refined in the sense that it's really supporting rebuilding or supporting someone to reclaim a relationship with their body or that interceptive pathway rebuilding so that through through choice making as well so there's a few things happening and on the surface it can look quite simple um, you're, there's an invitation to notice sensations in your muscles we're moving and breathing together and then there's opportunities to make choices choices that feel supportive for your body in the present moment and on the surface that can appear quite simple and it's actually quite complex what's going on there and all the other layers and all the other pieces um, that are supportive to that need to be in place i think to contribute to someone who's experienced complex trauma developmental trauma to feel safe enough or to be in a brave space where that is possible even while there may be feeling triggered. So it's a modality that's not actually attached to outcomes. So people often be like, well, what, do, what do I gain from this? And it's like, well, you know, we're really with you in a journey of discovery to see what happens and, and how you might um, access choice in the present moment with your body while being in relationship with another. Right. And you're facilitating an upcoming training on June 3rd to June 5th. Mm -hmm. What will participants of this program learn over this weekend training? Yeah. So there's uh, quite a few things that folks might walk away with. So one thing I like to say is that they'll walk away with a trauma-informed lens and with tools to be able to integrate into a movement practice and into a number of diverse contexts. Um, so folks will walk away with um, probably pivot their orientation to language um, and walk away with some ideas of how to offer invitation 
um, how to use language to invite people into inquiry of their bodies and inquiry of what's happening in the present moment. Um, people walk away with an understanding of um, uh, power dynamics and how they show up in micro all the way from the macro. So how do we navigate power dynamics? How does our own positionality impact power dynamics? Um, there'll be opportunities for people to engage with the embodiment practice multiple times as well to have their own experience with this modality. So some people come to this training out of personal interest. There's a lot of folks who attend. There's, there's that intersection of professional training and there's also the, the personal interest as well. Um, in people walk away with an understanding of how trauma might impact one's body and nervous system. So impact one's brain and neurodevelopment, impact breath patterns, impact behaviors, relationships. Um, how, how might one create a brave space versus a safe space? What's the difference there? And how, how might we consider creating a brave space rather than a safe space? And then of course, um, some tools to walk away with in terms of how to take care of yourself uh, in the present moment. So I recognize that this weekend, what can happen, you know, when we when we start to go into content talking about trauma, our brains do a Google search. You know, we, we start to think about things we can relate to. We relate to stories, right? So I also offer a lot of um, quick somatic tools to support oneself throughout the weekend that can be taken away. Um, from the experience as well. So Nicola, this is a 20 hour foundational training. Once someone completes this training, what are some other opportunities they can use this towards? Mm -hmm. um, well, when, when they complete the training, everyone receives a letter of completion um, that they can be used to support them integrating a trauma-informed lens into whatever context they're applying it. Um, they'll walk away, if, if folks want to, um, and are members of the Yoga Alliance International or the International Association of Yoga Therapists, they can receive uh, continuing education credits as well, so certificates for those organizations and associations, um, as well as this 20-hour it's called a foundational training because it is also a prerequisite for the 300-hour certification in TCTSY, in Trauma Center, Trauma Sensitive Yoga, which is out of the Center for Trauma and Embodiment based in, um, in the United States. So if someone was interested in the 300-hour certification, this would support them to access that, um, as well as I offer a 100-hour um, trauma-informed practice on and off the mat, training with some other practitioners over a six-month period of time that um, builds this trauma-informed lens out for folks and integrate it into their life as well. So there's lots of opportunities to carry it forward or to pause where they're at and integrate in their own time. Perfect. That's great. That's really great to know. And who would you say this training is for? And you know, how can it support general populations as well as specific professional demographics? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
it's a it's an interesting training in that way because I say ultimately what it's doing is it's supporting us to um, be human with one another. It's supporting us to go into a place of how do we show up more authentically with others. And so I think that's where it is available for many demographics mm-hmm. and can intersect with many contexts. And it's also quite a refined modality that's going to be giving specific tools and going through methodology and specific principles. So for people who work with trauma survivors, work with people who are have experienced long-term adversity, and I would say those might be folks who are counselors or clinicians, body workers, medical practitioners, um, educators, um, so psychologists, social workers. Um, oh, there's a bear walking through my yard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Uh, Sorry. That's okay. One of the beautiful sights of being out in Alberta. <laughs> Sorry about that. I haven't seen I haven't seen that before. I'm in the Bow, Bow Valley for those of you who uh <laughs> for the for your audience, I'm, I'm looking out into the woods right now. So, um, yeah. So I would say it's it's for folks who specifically work for work with um, people recovering and healing from long term trauma, as well as people who are interested in contributing to their own journey of healing and curious about implementing a trauma informed lens into different contexts and environments. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a, an amazing program. We're going to have links in the show notes for people to uh, to take a look, to read more about the program, the training that's being offered, uh, you know, coming up in beginning of June. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole, is there anything else you want our listeners to take away uh, from this conversation or about the program? Is there anything else that maybe you'd like to add? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've had some feedback from different participants and um, a number of folks are like, oh my gosh, I wasn't sure about doing something online again. And um, I wasn't sure whether this training was for me, but I noticed there was curiosity. And um, there's always been the feedback of this has been one of the most impactful trainings that people have experienced because it really invites people to engage with some unlearning and potentially pivot some perspectives and break some spells and potentially orient to what water are we swimming in and how might we show up more authentically in our uh, humanness to support other people feeling seen and heard and while being present with ourselves. And I think that's so valuable for all of us as human beings on this planet. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a very well said. And uh, I think, you know, participants are going to take away so much and so many different elements from this program. Um, I want to thank you so much for being here on the show with us today. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for hosting me. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you'll join us next time. Mindful Matters is written, hosted, and recorded by me, Elaine Clark. Special thanks to Karen Zorzi, our editor. 
Tawny Stoiber for the artwork and our theme music by Bellwoods. If you can, please leave us a review. It helps others discover the show and we really appreciate it. Let's keep these conversations going over at Blue Matter Project. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. I will stand here and shout it.